Hi everyone, welcome to the I Don't Know Show with Joe. I'm Joe, and I don't know much about music, but my guest Dove Adler does. Dove, thank you for joining the show. I mean, you do know much. You do know enough about music. <laughs> <laughs> don't sell yourself so short. Well, I like music, but I don't know if I know music. You, you're the the one who knows music. All right, all right. <laughs> I'll. Uh, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put up some sort of false modesty here. I. I, <laughs> I mean, okay. It, let's. <laughs> well, let's start with how would you define music? Oh God. Um. Actually, there's a really good. So I'm. I'm actually taking guitar lessons right now again starting from the uh starting from the beginning and one of my one uh, one of the things i want to do is i want to actually learn how to read music Mm because you know i I have a decent ear and i can play by ear pretty well Mm -hmm. but um so one of the one of the teaching materials that my uh that my guitar teacher uh started me on in order to do sight reading is called ear training and sight singing this Mm -hmm. book uh by george wedge and it has a definition for music actually like in the very beginning mm-hmm. like when it just starts talking about what music is it's like music is an art the medium of which is sound mm-hmm. all art forms such as painting sculpture architecture and dancing are means of self-expression they differ in the medium of expression mm-hmm. the painter uses lines and color the musician uses sound mm-hmm. so then it goes, then it goes musical sound or tone differs from noise and that it has a regular and fixed number of vibrations per second and then it goes into like all this other stuff, but it's, I guess music is the, I guess an, an art form of sound. Mm-hmm. That, that's a good definition actually. Yeah. Um, I, I guess, like you that. know, go, go to its most, you know, basic, uh, its most basic, um, levels. And it's like, it's, it's interesting because, um, even though it's a form of expression, I don't know if music always expresses an idea as much mm-hmm. as it always as uh, or if it's more important that music express an idea or cause an I guess an emotional response. I don't know. It's yeah. it's one it's one of those things. It's hard to pin I, down, you know, yeah. as with any art, right? Like even with the definition you gave which was pretty wide, you know, you yeah. can still say, you know, well what about music is there any music that isn't itself an art expression and also is there any um is there any sound like like where where does that where's that line in terms of expressing yourself through sound you know i can i can do something completely without any rhythm without any melody but it's sound based right so there there could be sound art that's not necessarily music it's yes you know what i mean correct yeah um yeah, it's it's interesting because I feel like music is where you know there is a specific intentionality to um, to the tone that is being used, and I guess if you remove that sort of intentionality for whatever reason, um, then uh, then maybe it would no longer be considered a music, but still some kind of expression. I don't know, like um, there because the the uh, the definition of music can be taken really, really far. Um, like if you go back to the 20th century, uh, th- you have guys like composers like John Cage who, you know, just really, you know, put push the boundaries of what can be considered music. And like mm-hmm. just forgetting about things that involve tones and other stuff like that. Um, 
I keep forgetting the name of this this piece. Hold on a second. Uh, but there is um, uh, okay. Is is it this one? Yes. Okay. So there is a musical piece known as Four Minutes and Thirty Three Seconds. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> it sounds familiar. Is this okay. the one with the conductors? No, but it, it's, <laughs> that that is that is something completely different. I I do remember showing that to you. That I love that uh, that video. Um, and it, it, honestly, actually, kind of an important uh, or not an important one, but one that that definitely you know is a good way to think about like oh, what is music and what is a musical instrument. Um, so four minutes and 33 seconds is a three movement composition by American experimental composer, John Cage. I'm reading this off of Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. Um, it was composed in 1952 for any instrument or combination of instruments. And the score instructs performers not to play their instruments during the entire <laughs> duration of the piece throughout the three movements. It's, it sounds like that conductor thing. So it's, is, it's it, is it just similar. silence for four minutes and 33 seconds? So yes, it is just silence. The the musicians <laughs> sit on the stage with their instruments. They do not play mm -hmm. them, and they have and lines they, right yep, of like yep, musical they bars. Turn, They're just empty. And they turn the pages. <laughs> um, but the point of it is is something called uh, chance music, where the sounds that you hear are just sort of other things that you normally wouldn't notice during a musical performance mm -hmm. like for example maybe somebody will cough in the background maybe there's like some loud traffic outside mm -hmm. maybe there's some it's supposed to draw attention to that sort of thing now and is, is there a significance to the time because that seems like the only specified thing right four minutes and 33 seconds <laughs> i don't i don't really know um i'm not exactly sure what the uh i'm not exactly sure what the significance of the time is um so is that music or because that sounds like an art piece for sure. For sure. It's an art piece. Is it music? Yeah. That's that's a really <laughs> I, I don't know. It's a really interesting question because it, you might even <laughs> you might even go to, to call. And this is I don't know if this is an actual technical term. You know, I'm not a musicologist or anything like that, but you, you might even call it like anti music. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> which I guess would would could be a subset because if you're listening to music and there are silences contained within the music, it's not it that's still part of the music, right? It's not separable yeah, for sure. Actually, the silence in music is just as important mm -hmm. um, as the as the tones themselves. Like that's sometimes that's a way that you can establish a rhythm, which is a very important part of music. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, uh, and I I don't remember who said this, but um, uh, you hear you hear people will describe songs as having a groove, right? Mm -hmm. Like, ah, oh, that song grooves. Like, what is a groove? And if you think, if you go to uh, to the sounds like a definition. rhythm and bass. It sounds like a bassy right. term. So if you so if you think about the basic definition of groove, a groove is like a divot or a, a mm -hmm. like a valley. So the groove is actually the space between the notes or the rhythms. That makes sense. So when it I think if you want to talk about it in a technical in a technical way or at least the way I think about it is like the groove is where you emphasize those spaces to mm -hmm. make impactful rhythms. That makes sense. Yeah. Um 
and you know I, it's i think i think you'll find a lot of that in like funk and by extension mm-hmm. you know in in more modern stuff you know in, in hip-hop and mm-hmm. whatnot yeah that's cool and so you yeah. said you're you're starting guitar lessons again from the beginning mm-hmm. so if it's again like how yeah. many times around is this is this the second time or have you done this a bunch of times so i started taking lessons uh when I was in high school, mm-hmm. you know, as, as, as one does. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then I took lessons for a few years and then I kind of just went on my own way. I never learned to read music while I was learning to play guitar. I did learn to play the piano and I, I did get a little bit of music, um, reading mm-hmm. ability from that, but I, it, it was never a muscle that I really, um, that I really flexed. So it just kind of, never really grew it's the same uh, skill right learning uh, reading music for piano that's the same as reading music for a guitar or is it different so they use the same notation um but the mechanics are a little different mm-hmm. because with piano um every note has a fixed position right on the keyboard so if you see a note on a staff you will know exactly what key that note represents. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's you can spatially coordinate that. On guitar, it's a little more confusing, right? Um, because one note can exist in multiple places on the fretboard, right? Uh, and so it doesn't always uh, it doesn't always align. Uh, or you have to kind of figure out, like, oh, okay, it means that I it I should play it in this register because mm-hmm. that kind of makes sense. Um, but guitar has a different advantage in that you can transpose very easily. You Mm -hmm. can change the key of a piece very easily. So if you Mm -hmm. wanted to, if you were playing something in a minor and you wanted to shift that to B minor, Mm -hmm. you just move that up two frets. Like it's really not, uh, really not a big deal on piano. You, every chord that you play changes Mm -hmm. in you know so you have to really be cognizant of that so it's a bit of a give and take as far as like the mechanics is that your main reason for starting guitar lessons over to to learn how to read music so i the main one of the main reasons i started over is because i never really learned to read music and i'm a i'm a semi-professional guitar player like i don't i get paid for gigs so i guess in the strictest sense i'm you know i play professionally Mm -hmm. but um I don't gig very often and not being able to read music is kind of a weakness, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're, you know, a guitarist for hire and you want to be able to play anything, I guess, um, that you don't already have memorized in your head. Uh, and so during the pandemic, when I found myself at home, you know, working, working from home, and with a lot of extra time on my hands, yeah. I decided I'd start taking guitar lessons again. So, and <laughs> that's that's extended till now. Nice. So, are you yeah. are you really doing like basic lessons, or are they kind of advanced lessons? Like, like where are you starting from? So, at, I actually have I have the book right here. Uh-huh. This, uh, wow, Mel Bay's. Uh, modern guitar method grade one uh-huh. this is where i'm this is where i'm starting okay you know it's like the most basic of the basic you know even 
at the very at the very beginning of the book. It's just like, okay, this is how you fret a note. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is how you hold a pick. You know, these are the notes on the strings. Like now, play this melody using only one string. Mm-hmm. And now it's like really, really basic stuff. Do you find yourself having like habits that are very ingrained that are uh, you know counter to like the basic instruction that you have to break out of? One hundred percent. I, I very much do. Uh, and, you know, that that's one of the things about about being self-taught is that you do develop these uh, sort of learned habits that are, you know, not uh, uh, that, that are not ideal necessarily. And sometimes, you know, people do just fine without them. Mm-hmm. Like you, if you look at uh, Marty Friedman, mm-hmm. um, guitarist who was known for playing with Megadeth, mm-hmm. his picking technique is really, really weird. Like mm-hmm. he, he comes at it from like under the, under the strings. Yeah. I, I can't even, I can't even imitate it. Cause it's I was going to so say strange. a lot, a lot of the greats, right. were self-taught and don't necessarily follow the correct uh, mm-hmm. technique of, of playing. Right. Like I'm pretty sure Hendrix was self-taught. Right. And he's, yeah, known to be one of the greats. So, I mean, how how do you know what the best way is? Like, how do you know what the book says is the best way? Um, I think it's because there are traditional best ways to do, you know, a certain thing. Like, there is there is a most efficient way to hold a guitar neck. Mm-hmm. There is a most efficient way to hold a guitar pick. There is a most efficient way to actually use a guitar pick. Like, so for example. Going back to Marty Friedman, because of the way he plays, he can't properly mute notes mm. with his right hand. Mm-hmm. So he has to find other ways to compensate for that. And if you play normally, you don't have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So there, uh, uh, there's actually uh, – I've seen guitar players who uh, play in a similar style to him and then they have to have these devices on their guitars that mute the strings – when they're playing uh, lead lines, because they can't control the interesting um, the sympathetic vibrations in the other strings when they're playing. Um, so do so doing things the right way is actually pretty important. Gotcha. And, and aside from that, like also you can um, you can develop uh, um, medical conditions, mm-hmm. you know, injuries that mm-hmm. like uh, RSIs. If you hold the guitar incorrectly, you know, you can get carpal tunnel, mm-hmm. you can get whatever. I, I actually had to deal with a lot of pain in my wrists um, a couple of times, uh, and I had to adjust my technique mm-hmm. in order to in order to alleviate that pain. Thankfully, I've been pain-free for the last couple of years, which, nice. you know, is great. Um, but, yeah, that's that's how lessons have been going for me. And, like, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a humbling experience. Yeah. Uh, to go to go back to basics and be like, wow, like <laughs> I should totally be able to do this, and I can't. <laughs> wow, very cool. Yeah. Do you have a specific genre or artist that you would call your favorite? Ooh. Uh, um. It's like it. How could I choose just one? Yeah. You know. <laughs> um. The uh, or several, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I the last few years I've been on a real synth wave kick mm-hmm. as a guitar player. That's I feel like it's a little weird because mm-hmm. there's not necessarily a lot of guitar involved, although mm-hmm. there, I 
I find it a lot of fun when there are guitars involved and, mm-hmm. and that stuff. Uh, one of my favorite bands is The Midnight mm-hmm. uh, right now. Um, I really like the stuff they've been doing. You know, they they uh, they added a um, a real like hot rod guitarist to their uh, to their band, and you know, I really like that addition. I think they they've done really well. Was this that, is a, a modern synthwave concert. band? They're coming out with yeah. new music. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna go see them in concert uh, at Brooklyn Steel this nice. year. Um, yeah, I bought tickets and, you know, last, I missed them. Uh, was it last year? Yeah. I missed them last year in March because I held off. They're like, Oh yeah, I'll I'll wait till see, to see if people are going to come with me. And this time I'm like, no, I'm just going to like, yeah, just do it. Just do it. If if somebody else, uh, somebody else wants to buy tickets, cool, whatever. It's general admission. We can all go together. I don't care. Sweet. (laughs) And and what is it about Synthwave or about, was it Midnight Riders? The midnight. The midnight. Like, what is it about them that makes it compelling for you? Like, 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 what makes that what oh, you're jamming to these days? What do you think? That's a that's a good question. Um, and it's 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 a bit of a difficult question to for me to answer because I don't really know. I feel like I've always been a big fan of music that um, uses synthesizers as a basis for their sound, just cause I feel like synthesizers is like this really big wide open sound that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, um, even sometimes just the repetitiveness of like an arpeggiation, mm-hmm. uh, in the background, I find that sound that sound that can sound very musically compelling. Um, yeah, so I've really, I've really enjoyed that. And, even it, I, I feel like my musical tastes have shifted mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Very recently, I, uh, you know, in high school, I was really into, I was really into heavy metal, mm-hmm. um, and then that, and being a guitar player, I was also really into like these virtuosos like Steve Vai, mm-hmm. Joe Satriani, and then I found out about John Petrucci, and I got really into Dream Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dream Theater was my favorite band for a long time. Um, through, uh, through college, really. And then I guess I started getting into like fusion jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from, and then from there, like I, when it, I started listening to a lot of funk, mm-hmm. I, I, like I transitioned into funk. I joined a funk band for like a few months. Nice. I actually played bass. Which was a lot of fun. We only did one gig, <laughs> um, but that, but it was um, but it was fun. I actually think I, I actually think I sent you a clip from the one gig that we did. Uh, sounds familiar. Like in 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 uh, music club. That sounds familiar. Because uh, I was like, ah, yes, this is the one time that I ever played bass <laughs> on a gig. I forget I forget why. Uh, I forget the context of why I had to send that. But um, yeah, that that was a lot of fun. And then from there. I kind of got into, uh, I don't know what you would, I don't know what genre you would call, uh, you know, later porcupine tree stuff. Uh huh. But I guess like alternative, uh, yet still kind of prog, alt, rock, alt indie, prog, weird. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and then from there, I, I guess. The, in, in, and I guess from there in recent years, I think there's just been a really huge 80s nostalgia mm-hmm. thing going on that, you know, brought back all the big synths 
and stuff like that. Really? Uh, and I really and I really enjoy that. And I think it's just because of the 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 massive presence of this stuff that I was able to get back into it or just really get this sort of get into it in the first place. Interesting. And what do you think inspired all these shifts? I mean, this is an incredible evolution of taste. Is it just constantly exposing yourself to new things and then kind of just like digging a new sound where there's specific yeah. things in your life that led you to different things? Like, like how, how do you account for this type of evolution? I mean, for it, for me personally, I discover music um, in a way that I feel like is a little against the grain nowadays. I get most of my recommendations either from other people mm-hmm. or just from stuff that I hear randomly. Mm-hmm. You know, thank God for Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> just being like, oh, this, like I'm shopping in the store. This sounds like a cool song. And I just, you know, raise my phone up to the speaker and it'll tell me exactly what it is. Wow. What and store has uh, the best soundtrack? <laughs> Haven't what? been to too many stores that play good music. So what stores have good, good music playing? <laughs> Believe it or not, Westside Market. Westside Market is where it's at. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've got I've gotten a couple I gotten a couple of tracks from Westside Market. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Although though, they usually play more like seventies and eighties stuff. Mm-hmm. So the the things that I pick up on are are from there are usually like seventies and eighties uh-huh. tracks. Uh, but yeah, I mean. One of my one of my favorite bands right now, and I feel they, they've they've gotten really hyped up like literally right after I found out about them. I mean they, they were pretty big when I, or they were decently big when I found out about them. But then they just you know blew up to you know next level, maybe like a month after I found out about them. Uh, this is band Sleep Token. Oh, um, I think, I think you've I, played I think them I was for me too. You about them yeah. before, uh, but they just released a new album. And uh, spoiler alert, it'll probably be my next music club selection. Okay, all right. Uh, Looking forward to that. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I don't know. I It, it was good enough that I bought it. I bought the album. Nice. Um, and any and that's that's another thing that I do. You know, and what, I, what genre I, is that? Ooh, that's a tough question. <laughs> it's a really tough question. According to, according to iTunes... Because that that's that's how I base like that my base level whether they're right or wrong my base level uh-huh. uh, you know thing is like what does iTunes say mm-hmm. iTunes classifies Sleep Token as metal okay just plain um, old metal no yes no uh, specifically adjectives this album. <laughs> specifically this album they classify as metal they do genre by album which mm-hmm. is interesting their first two albums are classified as hard rock which mm-hmm. is interesting okay um, I actually very much disagree with all <laughs> these classifications <laughs> well that's but, that's the thing it's hard to pin and this is this is i, I always have this issue about like unless they're mm-hmm. synonymous with the with the genre it's very hard to pin uh an, an artist or or an album down to a genre even the ones that are synonymous with the genre they still have songs that are outside that genre usually yeah. but i i actually like what wikipedia does where it just like lists the genres that the band is associated mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. so in wikipedia sleep token is associated with alternative metal mm-hmm. progressive metal mm-hmm. post metal mm. 
and indie pop. Okay. Which like is it. better. Yes. But not still not quite uh I think really indicative of of what they are. <laughs> um I uh, the, uh, <laughs> when I first started listening to them, I was like, "Wow. You know what it is?" And maybe this is like it, maybe this is me just trying to be like a bit of a, a of like an edge lord, you know, trying to, you know, see if I could see if I could rile up some people. <laughs> I didn't I didn't actually post this publicly, but I said, you know what, if I if I was like this kind of, you know, edge lord, I would say, you know what, Sleep Token is a pop band that has a metal aesthetic. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> like they, they use it, like they use the metal aesthetic to um to bring forth pop music. I mean, and that's kind I of think, like what ghost does, right? Uh, a little bit. Although ghost, I, I feel they have a metal aesthetic, but I wouldn't call it metal music. Yeah. So here's, here's the thing. A ghost. I, I mean, I don't know if this is a made up term because of ghost, but I, I it, or if any other bands really fit into this, um, genre or mm-hmm. classification of occult rock. Mm hmm. Um, they, 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 uh, I think ghost uses a metal visual aesthetic, Yes, but their sonic aesthetic is very, uh, is very rock. Yes. With a lot of like pop elements that like big bombastic mm-hmm. rock. Although I think earlier on they did have a bit more, uh, metal influence if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. I mean, they uh, were still kind of choral and, and, uh, had a lot of that like pop rock, uh, yeah. almost hair metal element to it but um yeah i think their earlier stuff was a, a little bit heavier yeah and i i honestly i'm it makes me <laughs> it gives me a little bit of i guess schadenfreude when i when i see people like oh yeah ghosts they're not metal they're just posers and whatever like no they're just they're not posers they're, just they're doing really their thing yeah <laughs> yeah they're, they're bombastic they're, they're they they're like using that aesthetic to in in kind of like a lampoonish way yeah uh that i that i really really like and also, their their stuff is just so catchy, so good. <laughs> um, I I was I was re listening uh, I I was re listening to their um, uh, what what was what was the album before the the most recent one? Um, um, before Imperator. Yeah, before Impera. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I I have it right here. Um, prequel. Prequel. Yeah. I, I I re-listened to that like oh there there's some great there's a, there's some bangers on this album yeah uh, rats is great I love rats I, even though miasma is a is a an instrumental I love that song mm-hmm. dance macabre is great mm-hmm. um uh, I think I think I really like pro memoria if I remember correctly I don't recall uh, that one yeah it's uh, there uh, there's a lot of uh, like oh yeah I I think. Like the first, I, I even think that maybe the first half of the album is like you know just straight up just great amazing stuff, and I I, I um, and I also really liked Impera. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what bringing it back to Sleep Token, they're very similar to Ghost in mm-hmm. that all of their members wear masks mm-hmm. and are currently still anonymous. All of them are still anonymous. Yes, that's well. Awesome. So so here's so here's the thing, um, the uh. From what I understand, there are only two band members that are like actually permanent: mm-hmm. the drummer and uh, the singer, mm-hmm. who I think 
I, it's hard to tell because they don't really publish a lot of details about their process and other stuff like that. But he's I, presumably responsible for the guitar. Uh, yeah, he's the synths, guitars, pianos, and then they for when they go on tour, they hire touring musicians. From what I from what I can gather, I don't know how true this is. They don't really do. They don't do interviews. They don't speak to the press. They and none of them have been exposed. Speak, uh, they don't have. They don't speak on stage. So um, we really have no idea who they are. Do we know where they're from? Yeah, they're from England. They're from England. Uh, from uh, from London specifically. So there's no shot of this just being another Tobias Forge uh, project. <laughs> so here, it, no, it, it's it, also the singer sounds very very different. Okay. I mean, it, you know, it's funny. It, it, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know. Um, I'm not. I'm not gonna say that. It, not gonna say that it absolutely isn't because you know, <laughs> God knows who could be pulling the strings. There, there are theories um, about. Uh, who the, the who the people are and actually what's really interesting is mm-hmm. um, for the most part most people don't really seem to care mm-hmm. um and you know some people have have purportedly been able to figure it out and then you know most people will be like if you know you know just don't talk about it right um keep that, it, uh, keep that's, the mystery uh, yeah it's like it, it's and what's really interesting is that i think having the uh the songs being presented in kind of an anonymous fashion really like i think it changes the message of the mm-hmm. song um especially because a lot of the a lot of the songs are very uh, from the lyrical content and the delivery are very very emotional mm-hmm. in a way that i don't really get from a lot of you know what you know a lot of like rock and metal tracks mm-hmm. So they they have that you know when you get that indie pop singer songwriter sort of vibe, it it has that kind of intimacy, mm-hmm. but it uses it it fades in and out of a metal aesthetic. Uh, and I I'm I'm very excited for you to to hear the album when nice. I when I choose it for for music club because I think. I think either you'll get a kick out of it, it'll be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> so it's a good, good separation of art and artist. Because um, they yeah. keep it anonymous. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I, and, you know, that's, that's, uh, that, that's one way to do it. So um, flip side to the previous question, do you have mm-hmm. any specific genres or artists that you do not like? Ooh. Um... As far as like you know the big genres as a whole, not really. Um, I can I can definitely tell you there are certain subgenres of metal that I do not enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't like black metal. Mm-hmm. I cannot listen to that. That stuff grates on my ears. Black metal is where does that stand between like death metal or metalcore? Like what's black metal? <laughs> black metal is like uh, what's what's a good way to describe black metal? Is it like metal? death metal? Is it like all throat singing? Like um, it, it's it's uh, yeah, all uh, here. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll go to Wikipedia for this one. <laughs> um, black metal is an extreme subgenre of heavy metal music. Common traits include fast tempos, a shrieking vocal style. Oh, shrieking! He- yeah, heavily distorted guitars played with tremolo picking. Uh, raw and lo-fi recording, unconventional song structures, and an emphasis on atmosphere. 
artists often appear in corpse paint and adopt pseudonyms. Okay, interesting. Yeah, interesting. It's, uh, yeah, it grates on my ears. You know, <laughs> if if it's your thing, fine. It's really not my. <laughs> uh huh. Gotcha. <laughs> I used to really, I used to really not like harsh vocals mm-hmm. in music. Um, that was something I used to be very much against, but I slowly started getting used to it and being able to like take it in sort of small doses mm-hmm. and can appreciate it as like a texture. Um, you know, especially where you can, uh, where you can juxtapose that against a cleaner vocal style. Mm-hmm. Um, like one of my, uh, one of my, one of my recent, um, sort of favorite, I don't know. I don't know if I really call them a favorite, but one band that I really enjoyed, uh, listening to is a band called Leprous. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they, go back and forth but between harsh vocals and clean vocals although their most recent stuff i think their last few albums have all been clean vocals with the exception of one part of the last track of their most recent album and that's the best track that on that <laughs> album is just so good they, they actually made it during the pandemic and they did it as like a, a fan collaboration project where they mm-hmm. allowed the fans to choose like what they would do in certain parts of the songs and it ended up becoming so laborious. They were like, we are never doing this again. <laughs> so I hope you guys enjoy this one. <laughs> and where, where do you draw the line at harsh vocals? Is that strictly like screaming or is that any um, vocalization that is um, uh, it's, it's still intelligible, but it, it would, it would be like a harsh vocal i guess but it's not necessarily screaming you know what i mean okay so let's uh i guess to use um so think think about chester bennington for example Mm -hmm. the uh the vocalist of uh or one of the vocalists in um lincoln park lincoln park so he will either sing completely clean or he'll put a bit of an edge on his voice. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm that's not what I mean by harsh vocals. Okay. Um, I'm really thinking more of like the the vocal fry sort of thing. I can't actually do it, so I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm like, not gonna attempt like to the, do it. Like where you really like can't really hear what they're saying. Like screaming. Yeah. So not like because um, like let's say uh you know, like let's say Metallica, right? Like most mm-hmm. of their stuff is, I would say, harsh vocals, but it's not screaming. You can still hear what they're saying. Right, right. So when, uh, so I, I actually, I really do like, you know, grittier vocals. Like James Hetfield, I think, is an excellent voice, mm-hmm. and I really like his vocals. Um, even, even on the the stuff that Metallica fans really don't like. <laughs> yeah, I've I, actually really, I've actually really come to appreciate same. to to a degree. Like you know, I think Tuesday's uh, Gone is a great song. Uh, I mean, I, I was even I was even talking about this, some of the stuff from Load and Reload. Yeah, I think that's uh, on that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> or maybe yeah, not. <laughs> I, I, uh, Those are good albums. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually haven't listened to any of their real their new stuff. Really. Same, me neither. Me neither. Yeah, I feel like the, the Metallica train for me is just is is past. Like that, I was really into them in high school, mm-hmm. and like I don't know, it just doesn't really do it that much for me anymore. Even though I do really, really appreciate, mm-hmm. you know, the, the their contributions to music. Yeah. So let's get philosophical. Is okay. there such a thing as objectively good music or bad music, or is it completely 
subjective. Okay. I would say it's absolutely subjective. Like almost everything else in art, it's completely subjective. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I, uh, you know, you, you could, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, if you look at art auctioning, right, Mm -hmm. you could auction off something, you know, whatever. And, you know, somebody will pay, you know, millions of dollars for them. You'd be like, yeah, I don't know. know. You're not the one paying $4 million. I mean, what do you know? What do you care? Right. (laughs) You know, somebody finds meaning or value in that thing and they are ascribing the value that they find in that piece. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, whether or not other people put the same value is whatever, you know, uh, and you could even you could even exploit that like that guy did with that uh, banana exhibit or whatever it was. What's that? Um, there a few years ago, there was a guy who uh, like taped a banana to like a piece <laughs> of oak tag or something like that. Um, That's great. Let me, let me see. And it's not you know on some level it's not exploitive. It's still it's an art statement, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, where um, didn't Banksy or somebody did something where as soon as they bought the thing, it it, it immediately disintegrated? Yes, yes. So <laughs> they, they, I I believe it was Banksy where as soon as the piece of art was uh, bought for auction, it was shredded yeah. immediately. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, so this guy Mauricio uh Catalan, um. He had a piece of art called Comedian, an artwork consisting of a banana taped to a wall. Um, <laughs> fetched as much as $150,000 Wow! at Art Basel, Miami Beach. Now the irreverent installation is added to a new home, the Solomon R. Guggenheim Music in New- uh, Museum in but New York City. But do they have City. to keep switching the banana out? Is it a fresh banana? I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, art's, art is definitely subjective um yeah but then like some people are just better at at playing guitar some people are better at playing the drums you know so where does like skill level and level of technical ability come into the objective quality rating of music i mean ask kurt cobain right you know um kurt cobain almost single-handedly changed the aesthetic of music in the 90s and he was literally antithetical to everything that came before him mm-hmm. where, you know, a lot of the music in eighties was, you know, extremely, you know, had a lot of these like skilled guitar players playing all these shreddy, you know, mm-hmm, licks mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And he just comes along, puts a few chords together and, and sings some impactful lyrics and, you know, just drew everything away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So skill or mechanical proficiency in an instrument does not make does not necessarily make for good art. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I consider myself to be a half decent guitar player. I can't write a song to save my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the I think it takes a certain kind of inspiration, you know, taking it back to like what is music i think it takes a certain kind of inspiration to actually express yourself mm-hmm. through um through an instrument and create music 
Yeah. Um, and it's it's interesting. One of these, I'm watching a video series right now where um, it's kind of like a like a songwriting contest kind of thing, mm-hmm. where the, this uh, this YouTuber he will hold uh, sort of hold court, and he will listen to um, some unreleased music, you know that that these people will submit, and. If uh, if he doesn't like it, or if he hears something he doesn't like, he'll he'll ring a gong, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and the music will stop playing, and then he'll say like, okay, well this is what you did wrong and whatnot, and like your music really needs this. Like he'll he'll give some really harsh and usually constructive criticism, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's really interesting to see how many people just. Even though he's giving the same advice over and over again, how many people just don't listen? Mm. Um, you know, like one of one of the things that he says is uh, this guy's name is Trey Xavier, and one of the things is you have to have a top line. A top line is um, a melodic idea, usually a vocal that somebody can hear and then get into it. Mm-hmm. And you know, people will just send him these instrumental tracks that just. I don't know. Maybe they could work as like a score or something like that. But there's no top line, nothing mm-hmm. that people can listen to to actually get into the track. But and not you, no it, one, because I feel like people are into that kind of stuff. Like I've been to like metalcore shows that I. It's hard for me to get into it because I can't understand a word the guy's saying. All screaming. <laughs> I, I don't. Ha- I don't hear a top line. You know, once in a while I do. Well, but I mean, the, the people the, are into it. The, yeah, I mean, you can – a top line can manifest itself in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have a top line in an instrumental piece that, you know, is an instrumental melody that, like, you can, that you can catch on. And then, you know, you have, you'll have a hook that's like – that really brings you in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's interesting how many people will just make music that just does not have a top line. They'll be like, yeah, you got to have a top line. Interesting. <laughs> Cool. So let's talk about yeah. listening to music. What's the best setup for properly listening to music? Okay. That's a loaded question. Yes. Um, well, I know you have a lot of equipment the, and, and I know you're particular about it. So you probably have a lot to yeah. say about it. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I guess the, not really an elephant in the room, but like the, a word that people use to describe people who are really into the way that they listen to music is an audiophile. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard this term, term yeah. before. And I think the term carries with it a lot of weird associations. Like pedophile? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what, what's, another, what's another negative association? <laughs> so I guess if, if, if you think about, I guess, kind of like fandoms or like oh, you know, okay. things that people get nerdy over or stuff, like audiophile, like, ah, oh, you know, like, be very you're like a very, like a beer uh, snob like or a coffee snob. Yes, snob you're like a music snob yeah. but uh, that's good usually associated with uh being an audiophile mm-hmm. and while i will say that is true to an extent i feel like there is a lot of snobbery in the audiophile community i believe to in order you can call yourself an audiophile without being a snob about it mm-hmm. i think an audiophile is anyone who is anyone who makes intentional decisions about the way that they listen to music. Mm-hmm. 
which I think is a very wide definition. But I can, I can totally go with that. Mm-hmm. I, I think having a wide definition um, is much better. So I care about the way I listen to music. That makes me an audiophile. Okay. Um, like, yeah, I mean, you, you can see I'm wearing these these giant headphones. Um, I love listening to music with these uh I listened to the sleep, the new Sleep Token album on these when I was working from home last Friday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the, the day the album dropped, I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna you know plug my headphones mm. in, and, you know, listen to them." Can um, I come over and, and borrow that when the new Avenged Sevenfold album drops in a couple weeks? Yeah, sure. Have a listen. <laughs> um, that looks like the way to do it. <laughs> yeah, they're they're great. I mean, I have small studio monitor speakers on my desk that you know are, um, they're really meant for. Um, mixing and producing music. Uh, and th- they may or may not be the best choice for listening to music because sometimes they can bring out certain flaws. They're, they're not the sweetest sounding speakers as like some people would would say, but I find that they sound just fine for listening to music. And I, I don't really have much of a problem listening to them. If I really wanted to listen, really listen to music and in, in the best way in my situation right now, I would put on these headphones. Um, I own a lots of, <laughs> not lots, but I own a few pairs of expensive headphones and earphones and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I probably spent more money than most people um, on the devices that I use for listening to music, which is not a, you know, most people will listen to to music on, you know, these $15 uh earbuds which is fine like if if you don't care about uh the aesthetic of the sound that you're listening to or you know doesn't really make a difference to you then fine that's great i've actually and i mean it's funny and funny enough i've actually have a recommendation for like 20 dollar earbuds for anybody that you know actually seems to want to care about you know the way their stuff sounds there you can get you can get into that for 20 bucks and we'll put that in the show notes. Your audio file doesn't mean you have to spend a lot of money either. You just have to be intentional about your decisions. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I want these twenty dollars headphones because this is the way I like to listen to music. Very uh, cool. And I have mainstream gear too. Like, I, I, I will often listen to music on my AirPods Pro uh, earbuds. Um, I also have wired earphones that I like to use. I actually really like wired. Mm-hmm. Um, earbuds just because wireless starts getting weird and then you have to charge batteries and Mm -hmm. sometimes the reception gets bad Um, the batteries are going to die eventually so the things are going to go in the garbage a a good pair of wired earphones will last you years Mm -hmm. and they they don't even cost all that much nice and yeah we'll we'll definitely put a couple of those uh, recommendations in the show notes Um, yeah what are the things you listen for in music, whether consciously or unconsciously, that form your opinion on whether you like Actually, a song or whether you think think the song is good quality? So, there's a couple of ways that you can there's a couple of ways that you can I guess digest good quality. So, sometimes you can look at the production values in music. Like sometimes I'll listen to a song like, wow, that song is really well produced. Um, so, for example, I don't know if you've ever heard of the uh, – I don't know if you've ever heard of the band Boys Like Girls. Mm-hmm. 
So they just released a new track mm. this past Friday. The first one, I think, in over 10 years. Wow. Uh, is single. And I was listening. I was like, wow, the production on this is really good. Like, it's really fat sounding and, like, everything just sounds really well placed in the mix. Um, and I think that really enhances the experience. It doesn't... Um, it doesn't make the song better or worse necessarily to have it well produced. Obviously, it has to be a, 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 over a certain baseline. You know, it can't just be trash. <laughs> you know, it can't be painful to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think having good production is something that enhances the experience a lot. And that's one of the, one of my favorite artists is Stephen Wilson, mm-hmm. and he's one of the. In in my opinion, and many other people's opinions, one of the best producers alive today. And the stuff that he makes is just like it sounds so good, and like everything you know that everything is intentional when you listen when you listen to it analytically. Like, oh, okay, the bass sounds like this because he really wanted it to sound like that, and you know the the difference in volume levels for certain sections. Uh, be like okay it'll be really quiet and then it'll almost startle you with like how loud the next section is like that that was intentional and all of his intentionalities come through in his music like that mm-hmm. um, and so that is so that layer of production is one thing that I listen for and that that can actually kind of change depending on what you use to listen to music like you can use if you have like these small speakers you might lose some of that impact mm. but you might also start hear certain things that you might not with a larger pair of speakers where like the impact might be you know really big but you might lose out on some of that nuance um the the ultimate listening experience is where you get the best of both worlds which is one of these things that mm-hmm. these headphones do is like you know they they show you everything mm-hmm. so you can really listen to what you want to listen to and really get that in the intention from the artist, you know, from end to end. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a bit of a side note, you know, some people will talk a lot about uh, audio quality, like the, 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 the type of file mm-hmm. that you get. And you'd be like, oh, you know, this kind of lossless file, whatever. I, I don't know. I can't. I, <laughs> I can't really tell the difference between a high qual, a decent quality compressed encoding. Like, you know, if I listen on iTunes, you know, two hundred fifty six um, uh, kilobits per second AAC file. I can't really tell the difference between that and you know a CD quality file, mm-hmm. which is far based on what I understand. Once you get higher quality than CD quality, you're just you're kind of just wasting data because mm. you know, it's you're already at the limits of human hearing. Right. Interesting. Uh, and yeah. and that's I, like, uh, yeah. Go ahead. And I still buy CDs like mm-hmm. for that reason. Like ah, this even even just sort of like knowing that I have like the highest quality possible. <laughs> um, in, you know, source material is like, is like a little comforting to me. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's weird because I can't hear the difference necessarily, but it's like, I, I get that little creature comfort. Like, ah, yes, I have my high quality copy of this music. Mm. Um, and then <laughs> I'll put it on my Plex server. And when I listen to it on my phone, it gets, it, it gets compressed it gets down compressed to down. <laughs> you know, 320 kilobits per second, whatever. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this sounds great. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say. So that's all. Um, 
like studio recordings and how would you put up against that uh, the experience of like a live performance? So live performance is just is totally something else. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people don't want to pay for uh, people don't want to pay for albums, you know, like pay what, 10, 15 dollars for an album, but they'll pay 100 bucks to see it to see a live act in concert. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. It's a it's a completely different experience. And I think going to a concert. It's almost less about the actual music itself Mm -hmm. and more about the experiencing that music in an immediate context. Mm. Uh, one of my favorite shows that I ever went to was I, I went to, I went to see Toto Mm. live and, you know, they just blew me away with their musical performance. Like I've listened to these songs, you know, hundreds of times, but seeing it being performed live in the moment with like a bunch of really talented musicians on, on stage, you get to you get to feel the commitment that they put into the music, mm-hmm. and I think that that's something special. You don't necessarily get that from a studio recording, right? Very cool. How do you see musical trends evolving in the present day and into the future? Uh, that's interesting. Um, see, musical musical trends. So I think a lot of the way that music – I think a lot of music is based kind of in nostalgia mm-hmm, a little mm-hmm. bit. I feel like there's every, – every decade that you exist in will go back a few decades for their influence. And I mm. think you know as time goes on, I think we're going to start seeing more – 90s influence the same way that we see 80s influence now i could be completely wrong about Mm. this it's just it's just that that's kind of how it seems to go i'm actually really happy with the 80s influence i think that i feel like the 80s were kind of done dirty in the music Mm. uh in the music criticism uh world you know for being too overdone or you know too overproduced or whatever And, and people i feel like people are listening back and be like oh (laughs) <laughs> this actually sounds really awesome. Like, why don't we use this? And also the the people responsible for making the music, are, it's dependent on their influences also. Uh-huh. I feel like a lot of the people, a lot of the big power players who are making music now have their taste of music rooted in the 80s. And then going forward, as you know, younger people get more involved in this, production you'll you'll see more influences from the 90s and then from the 2000s and then it's just sort of a cycle that kind of keeps yeah. repeating on itself a little bit but it's going to change mm-hmm. like the music that they made that's influenced by the 80s now is still different than yeah. the music that was being made in the 80s so it's just kind of this progression mm-hmm. that's going to keep going on and on into the future and sometimes you'll hear genres that are will be juxtaposed on the same album or in the same song like that was one of the things that i was uh talking about with sleep token is where they'll they'll put together these genres that you wouldn't normally think Mm -hmm. uh that will exist together uh so much so that a a friend of mine sent me uh, a meme of uh uh 
you know, they have the the Scooby Doo characters be like, and the the person behind the mask really is, you know, whatever. And they do the big reveal. So Sleep Token, they wear masks mm-hmm, and they they mm-hmm. Photoshop the Sleep Token guy in there, and they like take off his mask, and under the mask, it's the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> And she's like, and you know what? I actually totally get that. Um, you know, it's if you combine like the weekend and you know some sort of heavy metal mm-hmm. act, mm-hmm. Uh, then this is you kind of get what what Sleep Token did on their their latest album. Interesting. Uh, I actually found it to be a lot like you know Lincoln Park. Mm-hmm. Kind of like I was getting some real Linkin Park vibes, not in a bad way at all. That's just like, uh, you know, it's it's like kind of moody music, mm-hmm. um, but it brings that hard rock and metal aesthetic to it. Mm. Nice. What do you yeah. think about AI generated music? Oh, I just watched a video about that. Actually, uh, Rick Beato does an interesting video about how AI can do really convincing imitations of existing artists and it's like mm-hmm. it's it's really fascinating um it's i don't i don't really know what what's gonna what's gonna happen i think like like all things ai is going to become a tool mm-hmm. that can really be leveraged to make music production either easier or better or faster or whatever mm-hmm. um I think that there may be, you know, lawsuits and certain legal ramifications over, you know, the use of someone's voice, mm-hmm. you know, who owns the sound of a certain artist's voice? Like what, you know, what is that? But um, also like, like meaningfulness, like, do you lose something if you know it was written mostly by a robot versus, you know, like, is there something lost there? I don't know. Like I said before, music is all subjective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, a lot of it is based on the meaning that you put on something that you hear. Mm-hmm. The intention of the artist doesn't necessarily matter at all. Right. Uh, you know, the, the artist could write a song about something and you, you could listen to that and hear something completely different and neither of you is wrong. Yeah. That's, I think that's inherent in, you know, a, a subjective medium and it, you know, in art in general, is is a subjective, um, is is a subjective thing. That makes sense. So it's like it's really in the end, you could have these in depth conversations about, you know, how how AI is going to impact the integrity of the music industry and stuff like that. But if you think about it, if people still enjoy the music. What does it matter? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get into the weeds about you know ethics and you know making sure everybody gets duly compensated for uh, whatever contributions that they make, right? But in the end, it's all about making things that people enjoy, right? And I think sometimes that I think sometimes that message gets lost in a lot of these discussions mm-hmm. that people have about about music. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Dove, we're getting to the end of our time. I want to thank you again for joining me. Before you leave, what's one thing, if you have to choose one thing that you want me and all of our listeners to know about music? Ooh. Um, One thing. Huh. 
one thing that I want you and all your listeners to know about music. Sorry, I'm going to need a minute. Take it. <laughs> for, I guess for me, the way I'll, I'll just kind of repeat the last point that I made. Like, you enjoy what you enjoy for whatever reason that you enjoy it. I just said enjoy a lot, and now it's kind of lost <laughs> all its meaning. So I'm getting semantically satiated. <laughs> um, but I think that music being a subjective medium is one of the best things about it just like any other art you can find meaning in music in ways that other people won't necessarily find and i think that that i think that thinking about that is 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 kind of is kind of interesting like ah you know i really find enjoyment listening to this kind of music and like this this music makes me feel a certain way and i think most people do uh, do achieve that kind of base level you know people will make playlists for you know when they break up with someone or when they're feeling certain ways like ah you know this is my this is my workout playlist like this gets me pumped this you know uh and I guess if I guess if I wanted to say something about you know changing the way people listen to music is that listening to music in different ways will sometimes impact the way that you hear certain things, and some people may claim that they won't hear a difference with you know making an intentional choice in what they use to listen to music. So I don't know. Talk to your local audiophile <laughs> and see what you're missing. You you might be surprised. Um, you know, I I definitely I definitely was when I when I first you know got into like whoever thought that I would spend in the triple digits for a piece of musical equipment a piece of equipment just for listening to music, like I did, and I was like, oh, like I'm never gonna spend like why would I? There are people spending tens of thousands of dollars on equipment listening to music, and you know some people will say that's insane, and then. I'll bring it back to the subjectivity argument is that if this is the way they like to enjoy listening to music, this is the, uh, it, don't let that necessarily affect you. But you might be surprised when you listen to a piece of music in a different way and gaining a different experience from it. So a little intentionality can sometimes go a long way. Now That's a good I know. way to put it. Now a I know. A little intentionality can go a long way. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome.